0: The return of Tuesday, Davis, Aaron Davis, it's been a long time. In fact, it's been so long. The last time we recorded together, you were a single man. I was in my thirties. Both of those things have changed and uh, welcome to a whole new world.
1: Yeah, we've had a, uh, an eventful last, I, I guess it's been like a month, but, uh, in our personal lives, but has anything changed in the sports world? I don't think anything's really happened, uh, sports wise over the past month. So we could probably just spend an hour talking about our personal lives.
0: I, look, it's, uh, it's just been at a crawl for a month. I mean, nothing to speak about.
1: I don't know what you've been doing uh, at, at work a, on your radio show. Like, what, I mean, what are you talking about for three hours every day? I
0: mean, literally, I, I wake could... up every morning and I stress out for about six hours about what I'm going to be able to talk about because there's, yeah, it's, dude, it has been like psychotic. The coaching carousel oh, yeah. alone has had such a spotlight on it. Like, it's been chaos. Every day has been chaos for like the last two weeks. On top of arguably the craziest football season, as far as college football, that I think I've ever witnessed, and then you have, I mean, everything with OU and OSU, and, you know, what was on the line for Bedlam, and just, holy cow.
1: This might be the first year in college football since, like, the first playoffs that I'm going into the uh, bowl season, and I don't really have a good idea of which two teams, let alone which one team, is going to win the national championship. I don't even have a good idea of which two teams are going to be in the national championship game. I'm pretty confident that Alabama is going to beat Cincinnati, but the Georgia Michigan game is a complete toss up to me. And then once you get in the national championship game, I, I know that Alabama you know, slaughtered Georgia and Georgia's you know glaring weakness of not having a quarterback really showed in that game. But like if in a rematch, like I'm not hundred percent sure that it goes the same way. Like I, I'm actually for one, for the first time in a few years, like I'm like, it's, you know, the semifinal games actually might matter. And I'm kind of excited to see what happens because I don't I don't know it's gonna be fun and uh, I, I guess that's a testament to like you said of how wild the college football season has been the NFL season has been crazy too I mean, they're in the same situation like yeah. there's no like best team in the NFL right now no. um, I mean I guess you can make that argument but like it's just been so up and down on who the best team is so it's exciting and then yeah the coaching carousel I mean I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it more but yeah it's it is a lot of fun to talk about and follow but it's also just another sign of how screwing up college football is and how the NCAA just it needs they need to do something because it's the whole system is just completely flawed
0: if we have enough time I want to hit the NFL too but your point about the NFL season and how crazy it's been as crazy as it's been I feel like over the last month college football has completely dwarfed it in terms of 100%. narratives and craziness and we I mean there have been a lot of ups and downs with a lot of the teams that we thought were good but we haven't had just a bunch of like great matchups over the I mean it's just it's been wild but uh, I just, I just feel like college football has outdone it from a drama standpoint over the last month. That uh, it's pretty wild. Anyway, uh, how Which, is uh, how's married life, man? What's uh, uh, what's different about your life now that uh, that that uh, that you've recognized? Li- I guess
1: literally nothing. Nothing. Other than no the changes fact that at all? like it, it doesn't feel any different. We I mean, we've been together for six years, right? And we've lived together for four. So like. <laughs> Like it, literally the only difference is that like as someone who's never worn a, any jewelry on his hands in 30 years, like I get in trouble because I'll forget to wear my ring because I don't even think about it. Like, yeah, I've worn. I've never, I haven't worn any rings on any of my fingers in 30 years. So like a couple of times I forget and then, you know, I get in trouble. So yeah. like outside of getting in trouble for that, like it's like it, it's completely the same. We live in the same house, uh, you know. It floods. Our pipes burst. They were bursting before. That's not in an innuendo. Like, they're literal pipes in our walls will, like, burst. Uh,
0: Would you tell me, like, four or five times in the last couple months?
1: Four times, yeah. It, oh. So, it happened, like, it happened two days after we got back from our honeymoon, and which was now three weeks ago today, and we're still sleeping in the living room because they still haven't come and taken care of all the, like, mildew and the mold, the probably mold, in our house, Good Lord. even though they've been out here four times yikes yeah so other than that it's been good it's been it's been it's just when we get back from the honeymoon and it's just normal life again it's just the same same stuff
0: How was the honeymoon nice to get away
1: yeah it was very good um it was the first time in like two years that we've done something stress-free like because we've been on like a few trips since we got engaged but the first one we got engaged so like i we were stressed i was stressed out about that and then uh the whole thing. And then like the next two times we like were move- trying to move to Utah. So we're like going and looking at houses. And this was the first time like two years that we've left Oklahoma and it's been stress free. Every time we've been to nice. Austin in the last two years, it's been, you know, wedding related. So it was good. We just went to uh, we went to the Smoky Mountains and then uh, went to Charleston, South Carolina. And it's awesome, just, man. Just a little road trip. Yeah, it was cool.
0: How was the drive? Was it, was it all right? It
1: was fine. <laughs> I, I as mean, good it's fine. I mean, as drives can be. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, she's stuck on the highway. It's, it's whatever. Yeah. Um, it's not the worst drive. I mean, driving through, you know, the Eastern half of Tennessee and North Carolina and South Carolina, like can't beat it. Like it's pretty, it's pretty nice. So, you know, at least the views were good, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's driving.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And
1: I of course I've got this toxic masculinity, like machismo thing where like I will not let Rosie drive. Oh yeah. So I, I'll make him this, I'm making the 15 hours straight on my own, which is fine. I like, as so long as we leave at a, you know, right time, I won't fall asleep. But yeah, I used it was to good, be like
0: that, but I've, I've gotten past that. I'll, I'll totally hand over the keys, but not, like, I'm just, my not, thing not is like, like overnight or anything. Like, like if we're driving at night, like, you know, on the highway I'll drive, but, uh, or early in the morning or, you know, if it's like a difficult part of the drive, I'll drive. Right. But like, I have no issue with, you know, we're on a long highway where you just got to literally set the cruise control and keep us between the white lines. Like I have no problem handing over the keys at that point.
1: My problem, my problem is, is like, If I'm not tired, I might as well drive because I'm going to be bored if I'm just sitting in a passenger seat. So, so like, if we're, like, trying to, you know, make shifts, she's not; she doesn't fall asleep while I'm driving. She falls asleep when I start to get tired, so I'm, like, it's never going to work anyway, so.
0: We also have the rule that the driver gets to pick what we listen to, and from that standpoint alone, I want to drive.
1: A 100%. Yeah, I'm driving the whole time if that's the rule. Like, I
0: don't want to listen to Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande for six hours.
1: I think we did that. We, uh we did listen to quite a bit of Taylor Swift. Yeah.
0: So instead we get to listen to like, you know, smashing pumpkins and Pearl jam.
1: I mean, that's probably better than what I do to Rosie. I make Rosie listen to podcasts. <laughs> like, Hey, you want to <laughs> well, listen yeah, to NFL I, podcast? I do a lot of that too. Okay, at, good. Okay. At least I'm not alone.
0: At le- there are podcasts though, that at least we share like, like a lot of the Rogan podcasts, depending on who his guests yeah. are, like we can both get on board with. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we both have our podcast preferences as far as like non sports related um, and it's usually like comedian related. So
1: Same. yeah, yeah I, usually, totally I don't try to force her to listen to, uh, you know, as much as I love them. I don't, I'm like, Hey, let's listen to this Ryan Rossillo podcast.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I've, i I, ne- I never at least put her through a sports podcast. Like, yeah, that's where I draw the line. Like I get my choice, but I'm not going to make her listen to anything sports related simply for the fact that she has to deal with sports so much. To the point that, like, she was a sports fan when we met, and now she really has no interest in it whatsoever.
1: I can 100% relate to that. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, when we met, it was like, oh, yeah, I love sports. And, like, you know, we would plan things around, like, watching sports together, and then, like, go to dinner after, like, something ended. And she was solid for, like, maybe two years. And then it just kind of, exactly how Rosie was. Then it just got to the point that she's like, I fucking hate this.
1: (laughs) I I 100% relate. Yeah, I got to a point where, like, I'm like, I, I got to watch this game. Like, I know it's the thunder and the magic, but I-, I have to watch it. Like, I have to be able to talk about it tomorrow. Yeah. And she's like, I- this is stupid. I want to watch Friends. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, I don't – uh, there was a point in time where I couldn't tell if she liked football or basketball season better or worse, I guess, because, like, football season, you know, Monday through Friday, there there's obviously a Monday night game and a Thursday night yeah. game, but, like, for the most part, like – Monday through Friday, I'm freed up a lot more during football season, but the weekends are, like, literally all day Saturday, all day Sunday, I'm, I'm watching football. And then, like, basketball season's almost the opposite, but it's like, you know, every other day, there's, like, a Thunder game, so you don't, right. you don't really have, like, the extended week-long period where, you, you know, you're not, like, in some way obligated to watch at least parts of basketball games. There's just so many basketball games, is my point.
1: Yeah, speaking of basketball, uh, Porter Moser's got a, got a fun team. Have you watched any of the OU games? I have not. I watched uh, a little bit of – I watched, I guess, the second half of the Arkansas game and then a little bit of the Florida game. They're, they're okay. fun. Nice. It's a good team. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good watch. But, uh, yeah, it's – football season definitely is worse in my house because she has a hard – Rosie has a hard time uh, kind of, I, I guess, accepting the fact that, like, I'm going to watch football for seven hours. If not ten, yeah. depending on the Sunday night game, I've gotten to the point where I don't necessarily religiously watch the Sunday night game if I'm not interested in the matchup. But yeah, she. Oh, uh, it'll be like one thirty, and she's like, "Are you still watching football?" I'm like, "It just started." Yeah, we reached the halfway point.
0: Yeah, we're we we just dipped our toe in the water. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's 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 just now halftime of the early games.
1: We still got we got a whole yeah all day, so it's been a. I relate to that though, but yeah.
0: Our Sundays revolve around whenever the Cowboys play. And then, you know, if there are good matchups, I'm going to pay attention. But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Saturday's like the day for me where it's like, I get up and literally from sunup to sundown, it's, it's essentially like, okay, I'm, I'm busy. So college football day, multiple screens. Like that's, you know, it's, I'm not doing anything. Nobody well, now, to do now anything. the
1: problem, now the problem is the bowl season now, basically, get your football season into a basketball season schedule. That's right. You, I mean, you can have, you can have you're having a bowl game almost every day, multiple bowl games on a lot of days. And yeah. it's the bowl. I mean, look, I'm not a big fan of bowl games because, like, a lot of them, at the end of the day, just don't really matter. But they're also the last games of the year, so you kind of got to watch them.
0: I know. They don't matter, but you're right. I mean, we're like a month away or two months away from no football depression think, mode. Yeah. So uh, take advantage of all of it you can, because it's going to be gone very soon. I actually said this the other day on my radio show about um, about sports mattering or not. I-, I-, I think I've arrived at this point in my life where, as a sports fan, I follow so many sports, right? I follow football, college, and NFL. I follow basketball, college, and the NBA. And not really till January, but, uh, <laughs> but two okay. more sports, college, basketball, NBA. I follow Major League Baseball. I follow a little bit of the NHL. I follow Formula One. I follow the UFC. Like, I, I'm paying attention to a lot of sports. And, and inside of every one of those sports, you can basically, at this point in time, you have access to every single game that's played. Right? Like, there is never a game that you, you can't watch if you really want to watch it. And we have all of this available to us. Like, I, I've, I've almost reached this point where it's like, if it doesn't matter, if it doesn't have much weight to it, I, I'm just, I, I'm i not as interested, right? Like I've, I, it's just, it's got to matter. Like I, I've got to feel like right. there's some importance to it for me to give my limited amount of, cause I can only watch so much. Like it's not, I, there's not enough time to watch everything I want to watch. So it's just, I've got to this point where it's like, it has to have weight. Otherwise it's just, it's hard I, for me to, yeah. to give my time to it.
1: I look, I completely get it, man. Like it, like the championship Saturday, for example, like, as much as I wanted to watch Kenny Pickett, excuse me, and Pitt and Wake Forest, like, I've got one TV, like, I can't, I, I'm watching the Michigan-Iowa game. Like, I just, I can't, I can't give my attention to this ACC championship game that really doesn't matter. Like, I don't care which of these, which whether it's Pitt or Wake Forest that go play in the freaking Orange Bowl or whatever bowl game they're going to play in this year. I'm not sure what the uh, playoff matchups are, but, are uh, like, bowl sites, but, yeah, yeah it's, I, I'm kind of the same way, like. And that's why it's hard to watch NBA regular season, especially now yeah. that twenty teams get in the playoffs. Yeah. So I mean, I guess technically sixteen get in the playoffs, but they have the playing get tournament. Like it, it just makes it so hard to watch. And then like, it, it just like it has. Yeah, it's it's hard to watch. Like even in the playoffs, like it's hard to watch game two of the first round because it doesn't matter. Because yeah. I mean, the higher seeds usually always going to win, especially if it's like a one eight or a two seven. And it, yeah, it's just. I guess that's the uh, double edged sword of watching a lot of sports is. You get to watch a lot of sports, but also it kind of, uh, you know, lessens the impact that it has while you're watching a lot of this stuff.
0: That's absolutely right. It has like, it, it it's somewhat diluted, right? Because we have so much of it. It just, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've gotten to where, I mean, there was a point in time where if there was a major league baseball game on, like I'm, I'm watching and I love baseball, but again, the importance of any one game over the course of 162 is, I mean, virtually nothing same. Like you just said with the NBA, like. There's 82 games, 20 teams get into the playoffs. There's not really any urgency to any matchup out there. And I think it's one reason why... The teams know, don't it, even have
1: urgency in any matchup. I matchups.
0: know, right. That's yeah. yeah, they don't have urgency, much less me feeling like there's urgency to watch the game. I think that's why there's a clear separation with football and everything else in this country, right? Because in college and the NFL, and certainly more with college than the NFL, but in both, like every game matters so much. Uh, I mean, college, yep. one loss... And you no longer control your destiny, right? It's it's now up to the opinion of people,
1: <laughs> like I,
0: how good you are, and uh, like it's I think one that's reason- part of the
1: reason. Go ahead. I was just to say I think that's part of the reason that sports like Formula One are taking off.
0: Yes, Formula because One for me and the UFC as yeah. well. Like a fighter, every time a guy's in the octagon, like he's fighting for his livelihood in terms of what he can yeah. make. One loss, lose. I mean, you're losing money. Like
1: yeah, it's you're dropping like, down the rank- the card, yeah. yeah
0: it's like a game seven every time those guys fight or like formula one, you get 20 races, you know, it's similar to the NFL. Like, and it's one, you know, it's once a week you have this, you know, it, and the, the separation, I mean, it just, the weight of those events is so much in comparison to one of 82 basketball games or one of 162 baseball games or, you know, whatever it is.
1: Right. Which to be fair, it's always been like that. It's not like major league baseball just started no, playing 162 agreed. games. Agreed but but like you were saying like because so much is accessible now it's hard to put like like when you're watching the rangers in july it's hard to put that weight back on that team because like you could watch any game any day it's not like yeah you know the rangers are on four nights this week and you need to pick one of the games like you're on every night you can watch every game yeah. you can watch re- replays of every game full game replay yeah it's the accessibility which i love 100% because you know 10 years ago i would have killed to watch just have my hand like be able to pick from any major league baseball game on, but now yeah. it's hard to get excited for for games. Yeah,
0: no doubt. It just yeah, it's got to have some weight to it. Or I'm not saying I won't watch it, but man, it's it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. tough. Just it, when you consume the amount of sports that that we both consume right. doing what we do, but and this isn't complaining. I'm just saying like, that's kind of where I am. Like it just this is what,
1: it, what it, is, it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just, I want, I want to watch something that, that has, that matters, right? Like I, I want at the end of it to feel like we took a step forward in some direction as far as what they're competing for or, you know, what's on the line. So
1: I think, I think too, as I've gotten older, uh, the, I, I kind of realized that like, I still love watching sports as much as I used to as I always have. But like I'm not. I don't get upset watching sports anymore. I used to get like pissed, like I'm like I'm talking like throwing remotes and like yeah. ah, like I can't believe the Astros just gave up a home run in the eighth inning of this game in July. Ah, I'm so pissed. But now it's just kind of like there's always the next season, like there's always another game. Like even when the Astros lost the World Series this year, as frustrated and stressed out as I was in those first like four innings of that final game, yeah. like by like the seventh inning, I was like, eh. I mean, there's they're next year. They're in the World Series. Like, they're they're probably going to be pretty good next year. Maybe they'll get back. Like, I, I don't know. And maybe that's just part of me being spoiled with the Astros specifically with how good they've been over the past five years. But it, it used to it, – it felt I, like I, my fandom was live, live or die, like, every Sunday for the Texans or, like, every game for the Astros or whatever it might be. And now I'm just kind of like, man, like, there, this isn't going anywhere. There There's time. Like – Yeah. Things yeah. might turn around. They might suck forever. But – I've emotionally detached myself from this situation, so if they suck, they suck, but like, I don't know, I guess I've I just kind of reached a point where I'm just like, it just, unless it's like the literal Super Bowl or like the game before the Super Bowl or World Series, like, yeah, I just don't, I am just, I just don't care if they win or lose. I will enjoy the ride and watch the game and have fun, but like, at the end of the day, like, I just don't care if they win or lose.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely that way with like baseball, for example, um, although I would say playoff baseball, like I'm, I'm, it hurts. Well, uh, well, yeah. I mean it, Playoff football. Yeah, I mean, even the Dallas Cowboys. Like, I I was really pissed about the Thanksgiving game, but I mean, like the Kansas City game, I hated that they played like trash. But like Denver game, it's I hated frustrating that they in the played, moment. Like, trash, but like yeah. it just yeah. I, I'm with you. Um, are you are you
1: pissed about it when you go to bed? No, no. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like it's frustrating in the moment. Like in the moment. Like I'm pissed right. off that you know Jorge Soler hitting a 500,000 foot home run in Game Six of the World Series, but. By the time the game's over, I'm just like, well, whatever. But when I was 25 or 24, like, I'm, I'm carrying that weight with me for the next three hours. Someone, someone's getting yelled at or my in my surrounding, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna burn some bridges. I'm tra- and Maybe that's just getting older and just kind of realizing that sports should be fun. But
0: the uh, the 2011 World Series for me was, I mean,
1: that oh, well, yeah. wasn't even anger I mean, as stuff. much
0: as that was pain. Like,
1: I, that, I, that, see, pain is, pain is understandable. That,
0: that was just pain that. for like days. Like that one, it was like, I had a hangover for days. It just hurt. Uh, the Cowboys game, Dak and Zeke's rookie year when they were the number one seed in the NFC. And then Aaron Rodgers, you know, makes that ridiculous throw to the sideline. I think it was Jared Cook. That Mercedes caught it. Lewis. Was
1: it, it was Mercedes Jared Cook? Yeah, it was. It was a tight end. It was either Mercedes okay, Lewis or Derek It was, it was, it was a two, tight end, yeah. though. And then, yeah. And yeah.
0: then Mason Crosby kicks the game-winning field goal to end the seat like, playoff game. Like, that one I was very hurt by. And then, this is crazy that we're talking about it not hurting as much now, but Sunday, watching the end of the Formula One catastrophe. Dude, I was pissed for, like, all day. All day I was pissed. I saw about.
1: people tweeting about it, so it must have been a big yeah. I saw people that don't yeah. ever tweet about Formula One tweeting about it, so... It must have been a thing. Max Verstappen won. He won, like, the the, the title, though, right? The championship, like, the, whole, yeah. the whole thing? Yeah. He, championship, yeah. yeah. But, uh, by the way, uh, Lewis Hamilton's about to get knighted. It's going to be Sir Lewis. Sir Lewis Hamilton, I that's saw right. That. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see that. So what happened, though? I didn't... Uh,
0: okay, so had everybody I'll to try see. to explain this in the simplest possible terms. So these guys are tied. This was the last race of the season. They're both tied going into this race. So Lewis and Verstappen. Lewis and Verstappen, yeah. So essentially, whether they finish first and second or 19th and 20th, like whoever is in front of the other one when this one ends is going to be the, the, the F1 champion this year. So the places don't matter. It's literally a battle between those two guys and which guy finishes ahead of the other. So there are, I think there are 58 laps in this race. So with like, I don't even remember, 9, 10 laps or so remaining, Lewis has like an 11-second lead on max, which is an eternity. It yeah. would be like having, like, a football comparison to this would be like having a two-touchdown lead at the two-minute warning.
1: And possession of the more, would it be? Or more. I, I, yeah, I mean, that's 11 seconds. I mean, you gotta, yeah, 11 seconds. They're both going the same speed, generally speaking. So, like, to make up 11 seconds, yeah. yeah that's
0: in, Yeah, in 10 laps or so, yeah. when uh, I think at that point, Max had fresher tires, so I think he was getting, like, maybe two-tenths of a second on Lewis every lap, but like, you're not going to get 11 seconds out of it. Like it was over barring some sort of catastrophe. And what happens this guy at the back of the grid named Nicholas Latifi, who's battling for last place crashes into the wall. So everybody has to slow down. So that gap all of a sudden disappears. There are five cars between Lewis and Max. So I I think everybody thought like they're, they're just going to, this, this race is going to end on a, on a caution flag and they're not going to be able to resume, you know, by the time they clear, cause they don't stop. Like they keep making the laps and all those laps going, counts, yeah. count while they're slowed down. So basically what happens is go right before the final lap. After they had said, everybody stays in place. They allowed the five cars that had been lapped that were between Lewis and Max to pass freely. So that essentially with one lap to go, Max could line up side by side with Lewis and he had also just been given brand new tires while all this happened, which Lewis as the leader can't do because he potentially gives away
1: yeah. first
0: place. And maybe the, the race never resumes. Like you don't know what decision they're going to make. So the person that's in first place can't do anything. The person that's in second place can go pit and get brand new tires. Cause it doesn't matter. Right? Like they're, they're going to get second place either way. Right. So either the race isn't going to restart and you still get second place or it restarts, And now you have fresher tires that, that obviously massive advantage. So they allow basically these cars to go past, but not the rest of the cars that were lapped, only the cars that were between Lewis and Max to get out of the way so that they would be side by side with a lap to go. Max having fresh tires and Lewis having tires that are like 35 laps old.
1: So is this, obviously this sounds like a just complete fix and like, yes, what, is is this like is this standard is this like in this situation is this the rules or is this just so apparently like No they totally, the bent, the in they totally the bent the bent rules they totally bent the rules
0: to I think give people like a dramatic finish with these two guys competing for a championship but like all things aren't even that's the problem lewis loses an 11 second lead
1: and it's the, insurmountable
0: Yeah and and so not only does he lose that lead but the way that they did this thing they, the, the five cars that were in between them are then released so that Max can basically line up side-by-side side with Lewis with a lap to go, and Max is also given brand-new tires. So this would be like, again, I'll, I'll make a football comparison. This would be like your team having possession of the football with under a minute to go, and they're up by a couple touchdowns, and then the referees coming out and saying, all right, here's how we're going to finish this football game. Even though you have a two touchdown lead and possession of the football, we're gonna we're gonna clear the scoreboard. We're gonna give the other team possession on the one yard line. If they score, they win. If you stop them, you win. It's all now on one play from the one. And we're also gonna give them an extra player. Like that would be the comparison here.
1: In the Super Bowl. Yeah, in the in Super Bowl. In the final Bowl. game. In the Super Bowl. To win Bowl. a championship. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you get do you get the uh, feeling? I mean, this might just be public knowledge. Uh, do you get the feeling that the brass in charge of Formula One, like, has a dislike for Lewis Hamilton? It feels like it's definitely just like, F you Lewis, like, we're, we want Max to win this title.
0: I don't, I do feel like there's been a little bit of, of slant toward Max over the course of this championship race. Um, I mean, I don't, know. I don't know that they're just actively like, Against Lewis, but I do feel like Max has probably been the beneficiary of most of the decision making.
1: I mean, it's I I get it because it's probably for the benefit of the sport that you have somebody, you know, yeah. to push Lewis and to you know beat Lewis finally. Well, and, and, and I, I know Verstappen is pretty is popular, super popular. Yeah, out he's of the massively drafts, but. popular
0: for sure. And I think like part of this is the fact that. I mean, it's, it's, the sport is growing at this insane rate. So, like, th- yesterday or Sunday, there were probably more people watching that race. I haven't even seen the numbers. But there are so many new eyeballs that I don't... Th- they didn't want the race to finish with these guys not racing, right? They didn't want these guys to cross the finish line under a caution flag. So I get that they wanted to try and, like, give people a drama, you know, like, sprint race to decide the championship. But the way that they did it, was just, I mean, it was everything we love about sports. Like they, they literally took that all away. Like they just, it was completely unfair to one guy as opposed to the other. And that's, what's frustrating is like, both of those guys are insane. And like both of those guys, I think were good enough this year to deserve the championship, but not at the cost of completely bending the rules to allow. I mean, it's like literally everything that happened up to that point was thrown out the window and, any strategy that you had deployed to try and win the race was thrown out the window. And if you're the guy in the lead, like, like, here's the, let them both change tires. Like, how about that? Like, let's, if we're going to do this, like, let's, let's at least make the playing field even, not, like, literally have the leader
1: it has one arm
0: tied behind their back.
1: It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It just, kick kick all the other cars off the track, just get them back to the start, the start line, and just have them start yeah. side by side. Like, if
0: we're just, gonna, yeah, if we're just going to, like, make things up as we go, then... Yeah, like, let's just get everybody off the track, give both guys brand new tires, let them, yeah, like, race it out for a couple laps or something. I don't know. But, yeah, it's just like they, they just decided, like, this is how we're going to do it because we want people to, to be able to watch these guys race for the championship. And, all. you know, it just kind of created this this weird, like, um, we're going to totally penalize the guy that was dominating the race and give the guy that was way behind all the advantage. I don't know. It was, it was, uh, I was pissed about it. Mostly because like uh, you just spend all this time watching the sport and then it just kind of feels like, then they're just like, it's not even decided by the racers. Like it's literally like, okay, throw everything that's happened out the window. Here's how we're going to conclude that. And it's like, what, how can you do that? How could you take the possession of the football away from like the team that's winning and just give the losing team the ball at the one yard line with one play to win the game? Like how, how does, if that happened in football, people lose their minds.
1: I mean, rightfully so. And people – it seems like people have lost their minds with the situation that happened on, on Sunday with this. But uh, yeah. did a little quick Googling. And uh, so Formula One, it's it just had its most watched season ever in America. Yeah. So uh, they averaged 933,000 viewers a race. Uh, Sunday, uh, the Abu Dhabi race had uh, 963,000 viewers according to ESPN, which isn't the most. The most was the uh, – the Circuit of the Americas race, but that was also on ABC. So that, you know, drew a little bit more viewers. But I mean, I mean, F1 has been massive in Europe for a long time. Right. But but it's becoming a huge sport. I mean, I think. I don't know. I, I'm just speaking completely out of out of like my my realm of knowledge here. But I would guess it's probably getting pretty close to taking over NASCAR in popularity as far as like preferred racing in the United States. But I don't know. It's hard to say because I have no real, like, reference or gauge on how popular NASCAR is But yeah. at this point. But I, I'm sure it's massively popular still in the South. But I just don't – it's just not as much in my world now as it was 15 years ago or 20 years ago. But F1 is definitely growing a lot and probably – in your mind, if you're those people in charge making these rules at that, in Abu Dhabi, you're probably thinking, oh, this will be great because we got all these new fans in America. We're going to give them a, an exciting finish. But oh, yeah. instead, you probably you probably lost a good amount of people by completely just fixing the race.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. It's it's like – Blatantly fixing it. Like I said, like imagine the Super Bowl. Like You just say, hey, we want to give these people an exciting finish. So – this team that has a two touchdown lead in possession of the football, we're just going to pretend like that's not happening, and we're going to give the other team the ball from the one yard line with the chance to win. Like that, right. it just like yeah, that's an exciting finish, but it just it doesn't feel right. It's just like what? Right. What? I don't
1: I, like. I don't. I would assume European sports fans are the same, or like international anywhere in the world. But I don't for I, I think I could speak confidently. American sports fans would rather see a shitty finish that like isn't that would just there was no fishy stuff. Yeah they see like an exciting finish with some very blatantly weird stuff going on.
0: You're a, you're a soccer fan, so soccer's also big in Europe. Well, there's this, this uh, F1 guy in Europe that made a soccer comparison like I did with football. And he said basically what happened here is imagine in like the World Cup, um, one team has like a 3-0 lead. And literally in the final minute, they say, all right, we're going to give the team that's down 3-0 a PK to win the game. And <laughs> just like, right. what? Like, yeah, that's, that's exciting. Watch the but it's just like, yeah, it just like, wh- what? How, how is that right? Okay.
1: Which is interesting because we just had a conversation about like being in these scenarios and like as sports fans and like it needs to matter. But at the same time, like, you know, you don't want it to like artificially matter. Yeah. I think
0: we all just want to know what the rules are so that we can, you know, base our strategy and navigate.
1: Which the welcome our to our sports is the 20, way to want. Yeah. The hardest thing to do is to understand how the games work anymore.
0: Right. Yeah. Ugh. I was disgusted. I was angry all day, dude. And, and again, like, I'm a big Lewis fan. Big Mercedes fan. So, like, him not winning, obviously. Like, I wanted him to win. My son's a big Max fan. So, like, my son was so happy all day that Max won, but like, it's not even as much about who won as much as like, it just like, I was pissed at the sport because it's the sport that I've right. spent the entire year watching the time.
1: Yeah. Waking um, up I've, early on Sundays.
0: Yeah. I get up early every single weekend to watch these races with my five year old, because we, we, you know, it's just something we do together and to invest all that time into something that just feels like it's completely fixed at the end was infuriating. She's like, why do I do, why have I watched this all year long? If it literally doesn't matter and they just do whatever the hell they want at the end.
1: Uh, By the way, that picture you the picture you posted on Sunday where you're like wide awake and smiling and Carter's like his eyes are like open like eight percent. And he just looks like he's just like in another world cracking me up.
0: Uh, Dusty and and John were giving me a a hard time yesterday about that picture. And I I was like, he wanted he wanted me to wake him up. He wanted to watch this race. And I got up at like so the race started at, at seven. I got up at six that way I could, you know, it takes me, I need a couple cups of coffee to, to shake off the cobwebs. So I had already had my coffee and I was ready to go. And I literally woke him up like right before the race. So, the, yeah. and, and he was, uh, yeah, he was not fully awake at that moment that we took the picture. Cause we, I took it literally as they were lining up oh. to take off. So he was barely awake, but yeah. Yeah. It was it was, yeah, it was cracking me up.
1: Anyways, we've, uh, we just talked some football. Can we talk football? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've been going to talk football. We we talked a lot good conversations, but yeah. Football. What do you want Whatever to talk you about? What's, uh, it? what's
0: on your mind? Mo- what's, what's the top headline for you?
1: Um, okay. Well, I, we haven't, we haven't discussed it since it happened. I, I know you've discussed it probably nauseam, but I, I'm curious of your opinion of the, uh, first off of the Lincoln situation. And then obviously the end of the Venables hire.
0: Okay. So let's start with Lincoln. Um, I think it comes across as extremely shady. The way that the whole thing went down, um, it, you know, no matter what he says, uh, whether, you know, he's like, we, we we I wasn't talking to anybody before Bedlam and all that. Like, I think we all know that's complete nonsense. Even if he wasn't talking to everyone, his representatives were talking for him. So oh, I guess that's, that's your, your way around, like, not lying about it or whatever. But I, I think what infuriates people the most is... A, that he's kind of lying about having interest before the season ended, right? Like he basically has told everybody, yeah, like I was not even considering anywhere. And in the matter of like a few hours, I decided to move my family halfway across the country. Like that seems like nonsense. Not
1: not only that, but he took half of the coaching staff with him within, they were all gone by Monday morning. So you're telling me that. Yeah. Not only did Lincoln uproot his family in a two hour notice, yeah. he also convinced like six other families to uproot from Norman and move across the country in two hours. Yeah. There's, yeah, it's, it, it's just so obnoxiously blatant that he's lying. That I don't even like, no, there's no point in right. lying. Just say, you yeah, said, we were yeah, talking. Right. Nobody, nobody cares at this point. You're gone.
0: Just, well, and, and look, like, it's as simple as, like, yeah, I was listening to offers. I, you know, maybe I wasn't taking any seriously until the right offer came along, but like, this idea that you're just going to tell everybody and and expect them to believe that you were shutting down all the offers and had no interest in going anywhere and like then all of a sudden all this came together in a few like that's nonsense, dude. People aren't idiots, so treating people right. like idiots I think is is part of why people are so pissed. But the other part of it I think is clearly he was looking to get out. And when you look at how badly mismanaged it felt like this team was over the last month, 100%. this team had the yep. chance to win a national championship at the start of the season. And not only did they not win a national championship, Aaron, they, they, they don't even win the big 12, which is, I mean, they don't even have a chance to win the the bare minimum. So it kind of feels like this team underachieved at the cost of Lincoln Riley, not giving OU his 100% because he was in some way paying attention to other offers or his next move.
1: And look, I think what Lincoln Riley did was completely shitty and like super shady, like you said, but like. I, I get it from the perspective of Lincoln came here as the OC from Eastern Carolina. It, it's a little look. I know OU is one of the five best programs in, in, in college football, but it's a little arrogant to assume that just that that Lincoln Riley's dream job was Oklahoma. That this when he started out his coaching career, that he said, "I want to end up in OU for the next for 25 years of my career or whatever." So I understand if he wanted out. I don't blame him. I always thought it would be the NFL. Personally, I, I thought that at any year I wouldn't be surprised if he said yeah I'm going to the NFL I'm going to go coach the Dallas Cowboys or whatever team I I never thought he was going to be a lifer at OU just because one it's not very common that you know you get a Bob Stoops or a Barry Switzer or somebody that just stays at one college program forever right. but I was shocked that he went to USC because USC sucks so to go there over OU over LSU if that was true and I know LSU didn't have a great year but LSU is in a way better place than USC is you know as far as like where they're at, oh, yeah. ready to win and all a, that stuff. Yeah, but, it's, a,
0: it's a better job.
1: Right. And, and Joel Klatz, I think he said it best, at least of what I, people I've heard talk about it. As shady as it was for Lincoln Riley, like the issue is the NCAA. Like they need to get rid of the early signing day because you have the same thing with Brian Kelly and Notre Dame. Like these coaches have to leave. If they know they're leaving in, you know, a December 1st yeah. or Thanksgiving weekend, they have to leave as soon as possible to get there for early signing day.
0: The NCAA with this early signing day, and I, I don't think they did this intentionally, and and I, I think when it happened, none of us expected it to go this way, but what has happened, what has transpired because of this early signing period is that you you either have to say, I'm going to put myself in a really bad position or I have to screw over my current employer. Like, right. somebody's going to get screwed yeah. over, and it's either going to be you because you're going to wait and do things the right way and then miss out on a recruiting class and miss out on hiring assistants, or... You do all that as quickly as you can, and you leave behind, you know, a pile of ash. So it's, I mean, you either have right. to put yourself behind the eight ball out of the gate at a new place, or you have to put the place you're in in a really bad position.
1: And if I'm Lincoln Riley and I'm Brian Kelly, I I, look, I, don't, I, I, I don't blame them for leaving early, given the circumstances, because, like, you're I, think you're, I think you'd be stupid not to, like, if you know you're leaving, you have to put all your eggs in the new basket. You could, like... Missing out. If you go, to, if you're Brian Kelly and you go to LSU and you miss out on the early signing day, that is a huge blow because you were competing in the SEC West. You need to get out down there and get as many kids as you can on the early signing day. And then, obviously, is in the Pac-12, not as difficult, but USC so far down that it's still a big deal for Lincoln to get in there for that early signing day because they need players. Like yeah. they need good players. Yeah. They just don't have them at USC. So if Lincoln's going to go there and win, which why wouldn't he want to go there and win? That's he's. I mean, <laughs> you just assume he's going there to try and win a national championship, like getting there early and getting those, even if it's three recruits or whatever, like you got to go there and get them. You, like you got to go get these kids because they could make the difference in two years of you winning a national championship, which I don't think USC is going to be there in two years, but like you have to have that mindset that sorry, OU, like I'm not your coach anymore. I need to go right. to USC and get these recruits in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you have to go get your recruiting class. You have to put your staff together. You have to right. give attention to the transfer portal. Cause that's as important as the recruiting class at this point.
1: 100%. I mean, they hate Lincoln just lost Keaton Slovis yeah. yesterday. Um, which by the way, I, I, the whole time I, I was very confident Spencer Rattler was going to USC. Uh, I just thought he would go West. Agreed. He he just went to the wrong USC. I was like, he's going to like, especially when Slovis entered the transfer portal, I was like, Oh, Lincoln's bringing in Rattler. I thought the same thing. Like Slovis is an experienced quarterback. Like he's pretty decent he's out. Like Lincoln had to have come in there. Like I'm bringing, I'm bringing in a quarterback.
0: I mean a, a year ago he was he was on the short list of guys that were potentially first round quarterbacks in in the upcoming draft right it was like Spencer Lovis Sam, Sam Howell Keaton yeah. Slovis yeah
1: Yeah so I was shocked I don't know where he's going to end up I mean I guess Miami rather go to South Carolina was a complete like that way out of left field for me I never saw that coming but shout out to Shane Beamer like Beamer's doing a good job in South Carolina right now tough situation Great being South Carolina Beamer. in the SEC yeah. but He's doing a good job so far. That's what got Stogner, so. Yeah. But, yeah, it's – I mean, like, it's a douche – the whole, like, narrative on Lincoln Riley has changed so much in the matter of a month, and rightfully so. Like, it was a complete douche move, shady move, the way it played out. But and I don't but I don't blame him for leaving. I don't blame him for leaving early. But just don't lie about it. Just be – like, right. it doesn't matter at this point. You're gone. Just be honest. Be like, yeah, you know, like, things just weren't working out for me personally uh, here, and, like – I felt like it was best for my fam- me and my family to take this opportunity. But just say it wasn't working out. Don't just make up some BS that, like, yeah. you made the decision in six hours after you lost to Oklahoma State. Although I think Mike Gundy would prefer that narrative.
0: I saw somebody tweet that it took Lincoln Riley, like, six months to decide who was his quarterback between Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall. But he can decide oh, to move his family halfway across the country in a matter-, matter of hours? Like, come on,
1: man. Hours, yeah, it's so stupid.
0: That was, it was, that was a good one. I was good it. I said, it takes me longer to pick something to watch on Netflix than it took Lincoln Riley to decide to move halfway across the country.
1: And I get it. Look, it, I, it's not like that, you know, if you're Lincoln Riley, it's a hard sell to the wife to be like, hey, you want to move to L.A. Right. and be millionaires? Right. Like, it's not a hard sell, but, not. like, still. You're not taking ha- half your recruiting staff and their families as well on a
0: two-hour's notice. Well, here's – I even put it this way because I, I, Brian Kelly, I, I don't know if you saw his, like, the the – by the way, I hate that people are recording these, like, closed-door meeting, closed door meetings and stuff. It, it just it bothers me. But uh, when Brian Kelly addressed his Notre Dame players, something he said really caught my attention. He said, like, I, you know, this thing just kind of came together and I took it, but he said, I've been feeling like I was ready for a change. And, like, let's just say none of us believe the whole USC story about him, you know, like, he, he just heard from them for the first time and it all came together, but just for the sake of argument let's say that that's true my contention even if that were true would be okay it did come together in a matter of hours but here's the thing you were ready for a change and you were open to the opportunity if it did come along and you were able to put it together that quickly otherwise it's not coming together that quickly so you there has Wait. he had to have a willingness and and you know be open to the idea of leaving, for that to to even come together in a few hours, if if that was the way it played out. So like, either you've been working on this way before that Sunday, and then it comes together that Sunday, or you've been waiting for the right opportunity to come along so you can get out of town, and then it came along on that Sunday. So either way,
1: either way, you're checked out. You're yeah. checked out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Brian Kelly going to LSU is the best thing that's happened to me in sports all year. Astros go to the World Series better than that like it, it's all better seeing brian kelly like with his fake southern accent oh, and no like Lord. his awkward dancing like it's oh my god i they went from ed orgeron who is just like cool cat like i'm about to hit on like the president's wife at this gas station i don't <laughs> care evan i'm ed orgeron in my cajun in accent my place, in my cajun accent which is purely authentic to brian kelly like uh yeah uh yeah i'd like me a po boy a poor boy sandwich family and, uh, family like oh my god Dude, like it's it's so awesome. He's so dorky and it's just fringe. and i get it, man. like going to lSU from Notre Dame that that's that's a step up. That gets him closer to a national title because we've seen it over the past five years with it. Well at ten years always been at Notre Dame. He can like Notre Dame can get to that final game or get to that semifinal, but there's a huge gap between Notre Dame and those and the and the top tier teams in college football. LSU can get there. We've seen it. and obviously like all the stars align with that with that twenty nineteen lSU team but they can get there. Like they're they recruit well, even in state. Like they get a lot of good talent from in state. And I, I get it. The USC thing, though. Like it's you're not putting yourself in a better situation to win. So it's it's got to be some personal stuff with Lincoln Riley and why he would want to leave. I mean,
0: I think he is. He's gonna. You dominate, think he's closer to what? Give him a couple years, and he's gonna dominate the Pac-12. Pac-12. No, stinks. no, a hundred percent.
1: He's hundred percent. He's gonna dominate Pac-12. I'm just saying, like. He's not putting himself in a better situation to win than OU. I think OU can easily just win, just as easily win a national title as USC could. He will absolutely dominate. Well, I mean,
0: I would say that uh, you know they're they're way ahead in terms of or the gap from them to a national championship at the present moment is less than it is at USC. But give him a year or two and build up that roster. Like he's going to recruit well. Like he's going to get really good players. And his path is going to be way easier. Than OU's like oh, okay. way. Let easy. me
1: let me ask you this: If you had to put money down on, um, my brain just went dead on uh, Venables and OU winning the SEC or Lincoln Riley winning and, and playing for a national championship first, where's your money?
0: Playing for a national championship? Ugh, oh, that's a good question. I mean, if you t- if you ask me. Lincoln Riley getting to a playoff versus OU winning the SEC, I would say Lincoln Riley getting to a playoff.
1: He's done it multiple times. We've, yeah, we know he can do that. Yeah.
0: He's done it from the like Big you said, 12, easy path. It's USC. Yeah. They're a half. They're always going to get the benefit of the doubt because they're, you know, one of the halves of college football and your path is way easier.
1: Yeah. Let me tell you, let me tell you uh, a coaching carousel move that shocked me. And like, I know he's an alumni and like, this program has like crazy alumni and like they're loyal and stuff. But Mario Cristobal leaving Oregon for Miami was legitimately shocking to me. Yeah. Like I cannot believe that he would have, I mean, Oregon's in a pretty good place right now. And like you said, they're in the Pac-12 outside of maybe USC in a couple of years. Like they don't have a lot of competition in that conference. So I was, I was pretty surprised that he led for Miami. I, Miami just, I feel like Miami's one of those programs where a lot of people just want to get it back to its glory days. But like it's been 20 years and nobody's got them close.
0: Yeah, I mean, they don't have the resources that the big boys have. Like, that's the bottom line. But, I mean, if Oregon has. Yeah, Oregon, Oregon has. Way better facilities. Resources. Yeah. Right. Not even close. Not even close. That's what, like, so, yeah, I think, like, nobody in their right mind would ever make the jump from Oregon to, to Miami except for, you know, a Miami guy, if, you know, because that's where he wants to be if that's home for him. So,
1: right. Yeah. yeah. So, that was shocking to me because, I mean, he just, I didn't even expect him to leave, let alone drop down to Miami, which I know he's alumni, like the, you or the whole thing. Like they get it. I get it. But yeah, the coaching carousel has been crazy, man. And, uh, do you see the reports yesterday on Gundy shut him down immediately? But like the reports that Gundy was like flirting with the idea of going to Florida.
0: Yeah, I did. Um, did he shut him down though? Like here's, let me, let me just say this. Cause somebody I, right now is going to listen to this. They're going to be like, Oh, whatever. You... I, if, if you made me bet either way, I would bet. I feel like Gundy's happier at Oklahoma State now than he's been in a long time.
1: Just play for a Big 12 championship. Yeah,
0: like I, I, I don't get the impression that Mike Gundy wants out. There have been times that I felt like he wanted out. I don't get the impression. I that... thought he
1: would take the Tennessee job. Yeah. I thought the Tennessee job, he was gone. There have yeah.
0: been several times that I thought he would leave. I think he's happier than he's been in a long time. But like, I think everything we've watched over the last couple weeks, like it shouldn't surprise us if this were true, A. And I think on the heels of the whole Lincoln-Riley thing, like, what did Mike Gundy really say yesterday in the press conference? He said, I don't, I don't answer to Twitter. He said, he have an agent. I don't have an agent. Like, that guy's not his agent. That's, yeah. Right. Like, we all know also, that. Mike Gundy's also, not Gunner...
1: gonna,
0: if this were true, but my point is, if this were true, Mike Gundy's not going to call Florida. He's going to have somebody reach out on his behalf. Just because he doesn't have an agent doesn't mean that he wouldn't I mean, have somebody, somebody awesome. yeah. reach out on his behalf to Florida. So, like, this idea that he just says, I don't have an agent, and people think, like, oh, well, that takes care of it. Like, look, I'm not saying that this is real. I'm just saying the reality is him saying he doesn't have an agent doesn't disprove anything to me. It just says that, yeah, we all know that. That doesn't mean you didn't ask somebody that's not your agent to reach out on your behalf to gauge the interest level.
1: And I I think, look, I think anybody should realize that that he would be stupid not to reach out. If they're interested in him, he'd be stupid not to, like, all right, well, what's your offer? Because if they throw – if they're like, oh, we're going to offer you $15 million a year, you'd be like, ah, yeah. well, uh, there's no state. There's no income taxes. Florida can make, you know, a lot of money yeah. for five years. Yeah. Now, Gunner is at Oklahoma State, and I know the transfer portal complete it just it right. negates any meaning to any of this. But Gunner is – he just got to Oklahoma State. Like you said, Gunner seems happy. You know, they should be set up to be one of the two favorites in the Big 12 next year. I mean – Baylor had a lot of seniors. Like, they're losing their top running back, their two top receivers, like, their two top tacklers. I I know they have, like, Jerry Bohannon is going to come back and uh, Blake Shapen will be there. But, like, outside their skill, like, they're losing a lot of players at Baylor. So it's hard to see them being up there at the top again. And then Oklahoma, obviously, who knows what they're going to be like. Oklahoma should still be good. They should still have a lot of talent, but they also lost a lot of players. There's no reason to think that Gundy and Oklahoma State shouldn't be back at that Big 12 title game next year. Iowa State's losing a lot of players. Like, Oklahoma State should be set up to make a return to Dallas next year. So if I'm Gundy, yeah, like
0: Agreed. things are going
1: pretty damn good at Oklahoma State right now.
0: Better than they have in a long time, right? Like he doesn't even have the holder right. situation now. Like that was also yeah. a big part of it. And now he, he has an AD that he seems to get along with really well. Like, again, let me just state for the record, I, I if you made me bet on this, I would say, I don't think Gundy's looking to leave. He I think he seems think happier he and more comfortable than he's seemed in a long time, and like remember a couple of years ago when he said like he'd been burnt out for a while. Yeah. Like I thought that I mean he looked burnt out for a while. Like he looks like he's enjoying things, and that he's comfortable. So if you made me bet on this, I would say like I no I I don't think that he's looking to get out. I I think he's happy at Oklahoma State. But like this idea that you know kind of like Lincoln Riley saying I'm not taking the LSU job. Well that's because the wrong question was asked. Like. Right. Like he was asked about the yeah. LSU job, not the USC job. Well, like Mike no, Gundy didn't, oh, he, didn't, he didn't say, lie. Yeah, Mike Gundy didn't say like I didn't have somebody reach out to Florida. He said, I don't have an agent like, yeah. OK, you, you made a factual statement, but you didn't really say no to what was what's been out there. You just said, like, yeah. I don't know about an email. I don't I don't feel the need to answer to Twitter and I don't have an agent. Like, that didn't really tell us anything. It's it's kind of the Lincoln-Riley thing. It, it, like, gives us the impression that you're shooting it down without actually shooting it down, so that if it's ever proved, you can say you didn't lie. So, again... But as much as...
1: Yeah. As much as we want these guys to be football coaches and, like, all that stuff, at the end of the day, the number one thing they are in a lot of situations, they're politicians.
0: Of course they are. And, like,
1: yeah, and they know how to... Like you said, they know how to answer these questions without answering the questions, and they know how to, like not answer the questions while they seem to answer the question. Like you're like the point you're just making with both of them, uh, Lincoln Riley and Gundy and it's, it's coaches everywhere. That's like that. They're what they do, but
0: and what person's not going to pay attention to, to big time job openings. If there, if there's a potential interest, it, it, like, doesn't mean you have to take it like, especially
1: now that we know that Gundy isn't above like leveraging another job into a pay raise.
0: That's right. I mean, Mel Tucker's getting paid $10 million now.
1: Like Oh, the money is... These programs are just throwing money at coaches now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or, here's the other thing that this... I mean, coaching pool. Like, you just lost the best defensive coordinator in college football this season because you couldn't match a $2 million offer from Ohio State. Like, they offered as much as they possibly could, but it wasn't as much as Ohio State was offering. Like, that's the, maybe you're leveraging something like this to get more money to pay assistance. I mean... College football now is big business, and I mean, Oklahoma State has, to accomplish what they've accomplished with a fraction of the budget that all these other teams are using is unbelievable.
1: And, And look, Oklahoma State's maybe a few years away from being the class of the Big 12, from dominating the Big 12, potentially. Yeah. Like, being able to invest more in your staff is... I, I'm pretty important. Like losing Jim Knowles is a big deal. I don't. I don't think anybody blames Jim Knowles for going to Ohio State. Like that of course is not. a huge offer, making way more money, and great opportunity. Like, like dudes go to Ohio State as coordinators and leave us to be head coaches. So like, I get it. But
0: or even if you just want yeah, to be I a mean, coordinator, like you're gonna get the best players in the country every year.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, as great as Oklahoma State's defense was this year, it's their possibly their best defense ever. It, no, it is the best they, defense ever. Okay. Well, there you go. It's the best defense ever. Ohio State, like they could repeat, they could have this defense this year and just repeat it because they, could, like you said, they could bring in the top dudes every year, and it's just easier. It's so yeah. less work on the coordinators, and less stars have to align, like you said. So, yeah, I, I really thought Gundy would have would have left, like you said, like the Tennessee thing. It seemed like the right opportunity when at the time, and I mean, he flipped it for a pay raise. So who knows? Yeah, you know, maybe maybe he'll try this was, into some leverage.
0: I thought Arkansas was. Uh... A possibility, too, when that whole thing came along.
1: Yeah. Shout out to Gundy. I mean, he's an yeah. OSU guy. He's, he's been loyal so far.
0: Yeah. Which, look, college football and the current structure of it, is, it, it basically is structured to promote the opposite of loyalty. <laughs> From, well, for yeah. everybody. For everybody. Players, yeah. coaches, athletic departments. Like, the way it's currently structured, it benefits nobody to be loyal. Like, you have to look out for you, or you you are going to get screwed. Yeah. Unfortunately, like, that's that's the ugly side of college athletics, but specifically the billion-dollar business that is college football.
1: I mean, I mean, Texas is a prime example. Like, they have not given anybody enough time to turn that program around in the past decade. So, like, if you're Lincoln Riley and you're saying, Ugh, we didn't play the Big 12 title game this year, like— I I feel like we've had really good teams that should have competed for a national title, including this year, and it didn't work out. Like, what's my rope like? Like, are they just gonna fire me in two years if we don't make the playoffs again? Like, what's their patience? Because, like you said, it's not it's they're, it's hard to be loyal because a lot of these programs just don't have the patience that they had thirty years ago with these coaches. Like, I guess it helps that Bob came in and like immediately started winning. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like you know you see a Bill Snyder or like a uh, Bobby Bowden, like, these like these programs just don't have the patience for these dudes to, like, get these programs in the places they need to be. USC is another example. USC, since Carroll left, they've they've had no patience with any of their coaches. Like, no. you have three years to take a team that won five games and get them to, you know, ten wins every year or national title contention. And if you don't, then we're going to go somewhere else, which is crazy. Because, like, if Lincoln Riley's gone, three years is not going to be enough time for USC to be where they want from where they're at.
0: No, but his deal, I think, is, like, what, $10 million? A year for like ten sure. years, so
1: you would think that they would stick with them, but like, yeah. I mean, it's these programs just don't have the patience that they used to.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It like, and and the more that these contracts go up, like the Mel Tucker thing, the more urgency there is.
1: Right, I'm paying you ten million dollars a year, and you're winning eight games. Yeah, yeah. Like, we can pay we can pay a coach three million dollars a year to win eight games. Right, which is. It, is, which I think is interesting with the Harbaugh situation. I thought Harbaugh should have been fired last year. I thought he was gone. Because Michigan, he had, outside of his first year, like they have been underperforming every year. And, I mean, they're arguably the best team in the country right now. They're in the playoffs. Like, as much as I don't like Jim Harbaugh, like, there is a testament to sometimes yeah. you just got to stick with these dudes a little bit longer, and they'll get you where you want to go, especially if you're a big program. Like, it's only, like, if you have the coach in place long enough to, like, build a uh, – Build a, like a rapport with with recruits and kind of build establish this uh, identity and like uh, culture. Like it'll work out eventually, but a lot of these programs just don't stick with these dudes.
0: Yeah, it worked out for him this year. And look, I was on the I I was on the side of laughing at Michigan for giving him the extension. I thought that was ridiculous. Um, and Same. I give him all the credit in the world. That that's a good football team this year. Uh, let's see if it lasts because I, I still have my doubts about you know whether he can do that consistently. But you know at least for this season. Uh, they did a, a hell of a job in, in Ann Arbor.
1: And look, Ed Orgeron, like I know he had some off the field stuff because he, uh, yeah. you know, can't keep his pants on. But like, yeah. they won a national title two years ago. They were arguably the best team ever in college football. Yeah. And he didn't make it a year and a half. He made it one COVID season and half of a season, a regular, Crazy, a, like a, a normal season, before they were like, we were done. We're done. Crazy. Remember Gene Chizik? Yeah, he won a national – how, how many more years he have at Auburn? Like two? two? Because Gus Malzahn was there for 2013 when they went back to the national title yeah. against Florida State. Yeah,
0: he was yeah, – If Gus, if Gus Malzahn – Two years after.
1: Yeah. If Gus Malzahn could get Auburn to a national title, why couldn't Gene Chizik in that situation?
0: Right. And they were just like, nope, you dipped too far after a national title. You're done.
1: But Gus – meanwhile, Gus lasts six more years in Auburn of like being an average team. I like. That yeah. uh, doesn't make sense. Yeah. But yeah, there's just – it's hard to – it's just nobody has the patience i mean i guess that's the social media world like
0: well nobody has the patience and and especially like the coach o thing like on top of not having the patience to dip you can't have any you have to be squeaky that. clean off the yeah. field so like you can't afford to to you know follow up national championships with average seasons but if you also have off the field stuff it's like you're out no questions asked like it's going to happen so
1: which i i, I want go ahead
0: i was just going to say what bothers me the most about all this is how, like, the Lincoln-Riley thing, for example. Like, did the, the way he left, super slimy. I think we all agree, like, he li- he's lying to everybody about the way this all went down. It looks like the management of the team over the last month of the year was horrible. And, like, you know, that he in some way cost Oklahoma's football season because he wasn't fully invested in it. So, I think there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of, like, gross feelings about how the whole Lincoln-Riley thing happened. But like all of a sudden all these people acting like the guy's not a good football coach and all like that I hate that part of sports. Like now that he's not at Oklahoma, like he's a shitty coach, like come on, guys. Like we can all agree Please. that the way he left is slimy and that we, we all believe he's lying, but like let's not pretend like he, he didn't do a good job or that he's not a good football coach. Were there shortcomings for Oklahoma? Obviously. He wasn't a perfect coach, but this idea that all of a sudden he stinks is like that I hate that. Like, as soon as somebody leaves day. our team, like, now he's just not any good.
1: He's one of, okay, he's still uh, he's still one of the, I would say probably the five best recruiting head coaches in the nation, if not of course. top three, of course. number one, like, yeah, which to a point, like, also, uh, we need to just throw out that, I, I haven't done the full research, I saw that he took four trips to Southern California during the season, and he's got these kids flipping, he's got these recruits flipping within 24 hours from OU to USC, like, I don't think those kids were ever going to OU, but... That's just tinfoil hat stuff, but like, yeah, great recruiter, obviously, and that's going to, it's going to be easier to recruit in USC, honestly, because he's going to have just more, more plethora of talent in California to recruit from than, you know, getting those kids from California to Norman would be easier, but I mean, the dude, the dude won, what, four Big 12 titles, made it to three playoffs, won two Heismans, had Three finalists, I guess four if you count Baker going twice, even though I guess he was an OC when Baker went the first time. Yeah. But, like, the dude is one of the five best coaches in college football. Yeah, the
0: guy accomplished a lot.
1: Now, he you know, no time, say, time like, in five teams, years.
0: He, his teams weren't tough. And, look, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, and, and they're like, the, the strength and conditioning coach was his hire and his guy. And, you know, like, of course, like, they weren't perfect. and And I think it, nobody is, but... He had shortcomings, and certainly Brent Venables brings some of the things to the table that, that Lincoln Riley didn't have. But, like, I just – it just drives me insane that all of a sudden – like, the day before he took the USC job, if you asked an OU fan about Lincoln Riley, they would say, he's one of the best coaches in college football, and I hope we keep this guy forever. And then he's gone, and it's like, oh, thank God. Like, we can we can uh, it's so
1: get somebody oh, better now because
0: like, he wasn't any good. I just It just – ugh, come on. Like, the guy like, left go, in a slimy way, years. but he's still a good coach.
1: Yeah. Go back five years to when Bob retired – uh, somewhat abruptly and think to yourself, like Lincoln Riley stepped in and OU one took a step up from where they were at before he was the head coach. Like they didn't want they didn't win a playoff game. Obviously. And like, it, would any OU fan want to win national title or like look at what Alabama or Clemson did in that stretch and be like, man, I wish that was us. Yes. But you also could easily just be Texas. You could be Florida state. Like you could be USC. There's a lot of blue blood or close to blue blood tier programs that sucked over the last five years, yeah. and it easily could have went that way if Lincoln Riley wasn't a good coach.
0: Lincoln Riley's offense rescued OU. I mean, they yeah, were headed they, in production for Trevor like four Knight, yeah. years. And then right. Lincoln Riley got to Norman and all of a sudden they were back in the playoff.
1: Right. And people forget, I think, a lot about that twenty fourteen season when, you know, Cody Thomas and Trevor Knight were struggling to score 20 points a game and like right. outside of Samaj AP Ryan like they had no offense and they struggled to win what eight games that year to having two Heisman winners and the most prolific offense probably not in college football but in like any level of football for I guess four years and they definitely weren't at yeah. that point this year or last year but like they had like a three-year run where they just were unstoppable
0: yeah agreed and look all that said uh I, I love the Venables hire
1: Yeah, okay, so, like, I I wasn't around during the Venables era, so, like, I don't have this, like, admiration for Venables as, like, this figure at OU and in Norman. And, like, from what I've seen and heard him talk, like, the guy seems awesome. He seems like a great dude. He seems, like, uh, super down-to-earth and a guy that, like, if I was a player, I would love to play for. For me, it was still a little underwhelming of a hire um, just because he's been in Norman and a lot of people kind of had that, like, you know, lit torch, like mob mentality to get him out when he was here before. So yeah. like kind of a fickle thing here. And I don't, I don't know if that was the majority. I wasn't here. Like I said, so I th- or I if it was it a minority, was, but I think it was the majority <laughs> majority. Yeah. Okay. Right. So like to completely flip the switch and just be super excited that Venables is here. And I, it is awesome that he's here and he seems like he wants to be here and he's, just, I think he's going to do a good job. He's already like doing a good job recruiting just from like Lincoln leaving it in ashes. Uh, a few weeks ago, he's turning it around pretty quick. Just me personally, from an outside perspective, is not an OU fan. I hope that his like being the like associate head coach with Dabo pays off and that like he's comfortable running a program, especially one at the stature of OU and the pressure that comes with it. Because I mean it's just it's a completely different animal going from being a coordinator to being a head coach at a program like, like Absolutely. Oklahoma. Absolutely. And I'm not I'm not saying he can't do it. I just personally was a little underwhelmed by the hire just because they didn't bring in a guy that had head coaching experience like it's they did stand it with lincoln five years ago and it it worked out pretty damn well but like you're putting a lot of you know eggs in the basket to hope that a guy another guy that's never been the head coach is going to be able to handle the pressure and i don't know that they can handle the pressure very well i mean he lost a lot of hair in five years when taking over the ou job and he bolted overnight according to him because i don't know why but he left norman overnight and like it's a lot of pressure and you know, there's a lot of unanswered questions with vendables as the head coach and the CEO of a, you know, multi-billion dollar program in OU.
0: Who stood out to you?
1: Uh, Fickle was a guy that I would have liked. I think that, like, if you look at a guy that could take a program like Cincinnati and get them to the playoffs, and, like, if you can recruit and get a program like that to a high point, like, you could probably do a pretty damn good job at a big program. So, I would, have, Fickle was up there. Um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, like, Fickle was kind of my guy that I really had all my eggs in the basket for. Yeah. Um. And look, I'm not saying Venables was a bad hire. I just was when I saw the name, I was like, eh, that doesn't really like, you know, get the needle like flying off the record player or whatever for me, or I don't know, whatever metaphor you want to use or analogy. But like, I thought Fickle was up there. Maybe somebody from the NFL, like, I don't know. Like, I don't really have a specific name that I think would have been the the right hire. Like Venables could have been the right hire. It was just a little underwhelming for me, just because it's a lot of eggs in a basket that you don't really know what the basket looks like.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Fickle was, I I thought the best, he was number one, I I think by a mile in comparison to everybody else. And that's just not only the job he's done at Cincinnati, the guy played at Ohio state, the guy was an interim coach at Ohio state. So he knows what it's like to, to
1: be the guy
0: at a big program with massive expectations. And it's the coaching aspect of it. It's the CEO aspect of it. Like I think he just checks all the boxes. Brent Venables, to me, checks all the boxes except for the CEO box. And that's all. it's not that we don't know that he can't do it. It's just an unknown, right? He's never been a head coach. Right. So there's there's just the unknown aspect of that. But he would have been my number two option. And, again, I think the football part of it uh, is, speaks for itself with what he did at, at Clemson over the last decade. I mean, even this year. They, they finished number two scoring defense in college football. Like, unbelievable. Oh, he's great. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think, like, especially listening to him during the press conference and, uh, like, talking to Dusty a lot about him and everything, like, everybody knows him for the, the intensity and, you know, how just, like, into it he is, and it's just it's awesome, right? It's, like, what we love about football coaches when they're just, like, super intense right. and, like. He's
1: just he's a classic football guy. Yeah. But I, football, yeah. Like, I
0: thought the press conference was great. I thought he, he uh, like, nailed that part of it. Like, you also have yeah, to remember, he's... this guy has coached under Bill Snyder, Bob Stoops and Dabo Swinney now, like he's had three different Hall of Fame head coaches that he's worked for, that he's been able to learn from and draw the best of. And look, the guys—it's not like he's a, a guy that's never been a head coach, and he's thirty years old. Like he's fifty; he has a ton of experience. I—I just—I think at this point, especially in a program like Oklahoma, where you know, it's not like—even though Lincoln left this thing uh, in a weird way—and there, there's a lot to kind of patch immediately. It's not like the program is coming off of like five consecutive losing seasons. Like it's in a pretty solid position. You have a great athletic director. Um, I I think there's just, there's got a
1: quarterback for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think the, the, the the learning curve at Oklahoma is probably less than it would be at some other places. And I just, I I just don't think to me, it's as big a question mark for Brent at OU as it would be if he took like the Missouri job or something like that. So it's fair. I think it's a great hire. He, He knows the landscape. Um, you know, I thought the coaching staff was going to be really important. Uh, keeping beaten bow was, I think probably the biggest home run of the entire staff. Uh, Jeff Levy, you know, I know there's a lot of questions and stuff about the Art Bryles connection Checker pass. with, yeah. I mean, Art Bryles is his father-in-law. Uh, so there's a lot, you know, I know there's a lot of OU fans that have asked that question. Um, you just have to assume that OU did their due diligence and, uh, you know, but, but from a football standpoint. I mean, you have Beaton Bow, and then you get Jeff Levy, Like the offense seems to be taken care of. Venables, I think, with the uh, the defensive coordinator hire, kind of tells us like he's going to be very much hands on the defense. So I, I think it's going to be all right. Like I'm, I'm not.
1: Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, super
0: concerned about you know the lack of head coaching experience at this point.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, like, like I said, I mean it. It could very well, will likely. Work out. I don't know if it'll work out to the extent that OU fans and like the program wants it to work out, which is you know getting back to winning national titles and playing right. national titles. But like, I don't think it's gonna be a disaster. You know what I'm saying? He's great. not John Blake. I don't think it's gonna great. go go that route. But like, I I just it makes me a little nervous to bring in a guy, and, I, and like you made a great case. He's got a lot of experience. Like he's one of the best defensive minds in in football. But. It's it's easy to handle the pressure right now when there's no pressure because everybody's just thanking him for coming here and not not being Lincoln Riley and being like excited about being in Norman. But like two years from now, like if they don't win the Big Twelve next year or the next two years, and then they go to the SEC, like I don't what's the situation going to be like. Like it's not going to get any easier. Like the first couple of years he he's here might be the easiest time years he has in Norman. Yeah, possible before he goes to compete with Alabama and and and. and Old Papa Kelly and and LSU and like all these programs, like it, it's not gonna get easier. Like the more the more time he spends in Norman, the more difficult it's probably gonna be.
0: Well, yeah, we could say that if Luke Fickle took the job too, though.
1: One hundred percent, one hundred percent.
0: Like that's that's not a that's not a Venable's thing. That's just Oklahoma's about to be in a much you know tougher path to to win.
1: Right, but my point was just like. He's handling everything perfectly and everything's going smoothly now. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it's not going to – this is the easiest it's going to be at any point. For sure. And then it's only going to get more difficult. Even if they're really good, it's only going to get harder each year.
0: I agree. Yeah, that – yeah. And that's the case at – I mean, that's the case at any football program, but especially a Blue Blood program that has expectations every year, no matter how good you are, right? Like, Texas has massive expectations every year, despite them sucking for a decade. So, yeah, I mean, every year it's just going to go up, uh, no matter where you are, but more so at Blue Bloods.
1: But I will say, I mean, Venables, is I mean, he's, he's handling everything perfectly so far. His home runs, everything he's done so far has been a home run.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, Caleb Williams and the offense and then a Venables defense. I mean, if the defense is any better, like, who knows?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they had the talent this year. Like, it seemed like an intensity thing this year with the defense. Yeah. I mean, there's just I mean, something I, off think, all
0: year, right? Like, that's that's yeah. why this thing is so weird with Lincoln, because he bolts – and he wants everybody to believe that, that, like, he was invested in Oklahoma the entire season. But, like, literally from the first game of the year to the end, like, for some reason, they just never seem like they were on track.
1: Yeah. It's, I don't know, it would be interesting next year. Like, I'm excited. Like, there's no reason that, oh, you shouldn't be back into the Big 12 championship game next year. Probably a bad little match yeah. if I had to just guess right now. And that's just, I mean, that's me basing the fact that, like, I'm never going to believe in Texas until they actually do something. <laughs> Agreed. So yeah, I mean he's he should be in a good situation. It's gonna be big, like recruiting's gonna be big time for the next couple of years before they go to the SEC, but like Absolutely. I think he'll be able to handle it. Like I think keeping Kel, I think Kel sticking around is a big deal because I think Kel's a I think he does a pretty good job recruiting, especially I, I don't know about now. I, I guess the market's probably handling the running backs now, but I I did, I thought Kel did a good job for a while, especially when he was a running back's coach. Yeah. But being Bo, like you said, is a huge thing. It was um, a massive game. Oh, oh, I think I, I think people need to stop uh, talking about Schmidty so much on social media. You might scare some seventeen-year-olds away from OU. Yeah, I, dude, I've
0: heard people say that. Telling all these horror that, stories and about I've, I've, I've heard if you get scared of stories, then that's probably not somebody that needs to be here anyway.
1: Probably not, so, but still. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah he's going like, to own He's going to separate the strong from the weak. That's no doubt for sure.
1: One hundred percent. Yeah.
0: All right, man. We uh, we'll have to hit the NFL next time. I know uh, we're both out of time. Got to run, but uh, covered a lot of ground today.
1: Yeah, a lot of, I guess there was stuff that happened in the past month. How about that?
0: Who knew? Right. All right, buddy. We'll catch up next time. Uh, enjoy uh, married life.
1: All right. Well, enjoy uh, your 40s. I'm, enjoy your midlife. I'm
0: working on it. I think I'm supposed to, like, start CrossFit and get a tattoo and, uh, like, buy a Corvette or something, right? Isn't that
1: – Yeah, I mean, I think two out of the three probably be acceptable. Okay. No, don't it, – it's just – just don't do CrossFit because if you do CrossFit, then you're going to have to put a sticker on your Corvette and uh, you're going to feel goofy when you're 50 and you've got a CrossFit sticker on your Corvette. So just get, do the Corvette and the tattoo. Yeah.
0: I've literally had a bunch of people ask me like, are you handling it? Okay. And I'm like, dude, I'm fine. Like literally never even like bothered by it. I struggled with 30 though. Like when I turned 30, it was like a big deal, but this one's nothing. So yeah.
1: anyway, yeah, you should together by the time you're 40. Yeah.
0: Something like that. I feel or,
1: you with the thirty, though. I feel you with the thirty, though. I'm like, ah, I'm thirty. I need to get my shit together. The thirty
0: one hurt. Yeah, it was just like, yeah. man, I, I Let's just, do I, I, don't know why. I just had this like, this pressure on myself, like I should have accomplished more by that point. And now I'm forty, and I'm just like, I don't care. I'm just doing what I'm, I want to do. And, you know, here we are.
1: I Respect that. Yeah, I'm right there with you at 30 though, but right, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go get my tooth drilled into at the dentist. So oh, that sounds wish me luck. God
0: awful, man. Good luck.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All right.
0: That is Aaron Davis. I am Colby Daniels and we'll talk to you next week.